artist you want, Barry. What do you want? You you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! I see dead people. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it! My life has value! Filmmaking Conversations with Damien Swayde is part of the critical conversations currently taking place across the film community. The podcast reaches out to the next generation of filmmakers who continue to look for inspiration and guidance. Remember to hit the subscribe button and leave a comment in the comments section. Share the podcast with friends and family and have a great day. I finished a draft of my novel. You, Laura, are a highly successful professional writer who travels all over the world and hangs out with famous people. Yes, that's pretty accurate. Don't let me forget to do my unemployment later. Hi, Mr. Lord Byron. I came here only for you. Sorry, things are really complicated right now. What is your style? Many cities, many men. But no, because are you horny? Because I'm sorry. I'm too drunk for that. Living down there. I'd share water with the birds. Make I got a piss. Is this a dream? What? No. No, this is a stupid dream sequence, isn't it? You ever think about leaving New York? So are you gonna break up with um, what's what's her name? You could move in if you wanted to. I don't think I, I'm ready for that. That's Look, the problem. If you're breaking up with me. And that's what this is. Why isn't he here with you? I didn't give him much warning, I just sort of left. But I told him where I was going. I've just never been sure if you really care about me. I feel so stupid. Don't feel stupid. Don't tell me what to feel. I'm just trying to comfort you. Well, leaving is not always the answer. I'm 32 years old, Dom. This is ridiculous. Why'd I turn out like this? What did I do wrong? And that was the brilliant trailer, Laura Gets a Cat. And I'm going to be speaking to the director of that film right now. Michael, how are you today? Pretty good, pretty good. Michael, I was lucky enough lucky enough to watch your film Laura Gets a Cat on Amazon brilliant film really really enjoyed it you know really did and I'd love to know how that film come, came together and, and what your thoughts of it are but before we get into it tell us how you got your start as a filmmaker actor writer director I started as an actor I started um when I was a really little kid. It's the only thing I remember um, wanting to do. And my parents tell me I wanted to be a bus driver when I drove around a little bus when I was like a toddler. And then it went from that to basically actor. And um, I did theater. I did theater in school, all through high school and college, and then um, started writing. Uh, so I started uh, doing plays that I had written all the way to um, Chicago and then New York, uh, where I've been for like 15 years. So 
I started in theater writing plays and it was part of the production of plays, like producing them. I didn't really get into directing as much because I didn't trust myself enough, I think. I didn't quite have the experience to, to captain the ship. Um, then probably a little over 10 years ago or so, I started with, along with my wife, Devin Sanchez, who, who makes the films with us, uh, started making web series, which was which was the buzzword of, of 2008, 2009, when everyone was cameras became cheap and easier to use and you could find people to, to collaborate with. And we started making web series like uh, in our neighborhoods, in our apartments and writing little episodes and doing that. And through that, um, my wife, Devin and I, we met up with, uh, we met a, um, our co-producer and editor who's Chris Prine who lives in Brooklyn, who did uh, uh, both our feature films with us. We met, met up with him in a, a festival for web series in LA, actually, even though we all live in New York. And we got together and kept talking and hanging out here in New York. And we were like, let's, let's make something together. And that something turned into a feature film, which was our first feature film called 20 Million People, which we made and we shot in 2012. And it was kind of like, let's take, let's take, um, you know, we were, Devin and I were coming at it from a writer actor standpoint. And it was like, let's, let's take what we do with web series, which is like simple production, uh, very guerrilla style, low, low budget and like, uh, hardly any people on crew, just the essentials. Let's take that. And instead of making a bunch of episodes of something, let's make a feature film. So, uh, luckily since I'm a writer, I could come up with a feature film script that we felt was worth putting all our time and energy into. So that was, and, and then, and then it became like, well, you know, someone's got to be the director and we don't have time to, to, I wrote it and I had a vision for it. So we don't have time to, to fight with anyone or have someone else take it and run with it and have it there be, be their vision. I just stepped into the role as, as director and was like, all right, let's, let's figure it out. And, you know, it stopped me probably in the past was just not knowing a ton about, uh, I didn't go to film school. I'm not a technical person. So not knowing a lot about the ins and outs of cameras and lights and stuff always always kind of intimidated me. But since we were taking this project on and and just doing it, it was with that with that energy, we were like, let's go find people who know that stuff, who want to work with us and collaborate and just all trust each other. And that's what we did. We, we found um, our camera guy, Paul Rondo, who's here in New York based. And he all that so then it became like you know a, a good team of four with us making the our first film um then once that that exceeded our expectations by going to uh we went to rain dance in london actually and and a bunch of other film festivals that we were excited to get into we started dipping our feet into the world of independent film that way and once that was over we we did it again with Laura gets a cat we were like let's take what we've learned let's take how we can grow and and make another feature film in a similar style so that's sort of how that happened tell us what is 20 million people about and what inspired you to write the feature film it's it's a romantic comedy um it it's we filmed <laughs> mostly here in Jersey City with a little bit in Brooklyn too and you know, we just used what we had, what, what inspired, um, like jumping off points for the script were basically locations. Um, because, you know, I was writing at a coffee shop near our house in Jersey city 
and I got to know the owners and I was like, hey, do you guys think uh, you'd let me film something in here one day, like when you're closed or, or something like that? And they were like, um, yeah, we, we want to be a part of the artistic community around here. And uh, so, yeah, sure, you can film something in here. And so then it was like writing a script. Uh, okay, guy works in a coffee shop. You know, you start with that because that's what you have. So it, we, I built the script from there and made it like, a, you know, it's a story about a, a wannabe filmmaker who falls in love with this girl and, and then she kind of ghosts him and disappears. And along the way, he talks to these characters from a cheesy romantic comedy that, that kicks things off. So we have this sort of uh, magical realism of him and, and her actually talking to the fake uh, romantic comedy characters. Um, so it's just like this, you know, it's a pretty simple romantic comedy, but, um, with a lot of jokes and, you know, we tried to plug a lot of comedy into it. Um, and yeah, that took us around, around to, to, to all the festivals that, that got us into this world. And Delvin and Chris, what are their roles exactly in the process of making these films? Um, well, we sort of do everything together. Um, we're a team of three and we've, uh, unlike a lot of, uh, filmmakers at film festivals where you see, you know, one, one person representing the film, maybe a producer, like the three of us go everywhere together. And, and, you know, it's kind of cool that way. It, it's kind of nice to have such a nucleus of, of the three of us to, to make these things and to bounce every idea off of each other. Um, so even though I've, I've been the one writing the scripts, you know, the scripts go to them first and we have readings and um, collaborate on what would be the best thing. And then we make all the decisions together. We're three co-producers uh, of who to hire and, and how to find the right people and what, you know, how we're going to pull this off. Um, but so that said, I mean, I'm, I've been the writer director on these, these first two feature films. Uh, Devin has been the producer as well, and she's also acted in the films. Uh, all three of us have acted in, in both films. Chris is the editor, so we all get together and, and hang out in the editing room and, and you know, decide. But Chris is in the, in the driver's seat at that, at that point in the process, and he's the guy who knows how to do that stuff. And Devin has an acting degree, too. And so, you know, and we have acting degrees. We're theater people originally. So we just, you know, we're, we've been learning a lot in the last 10 years, but it's helpful to have other people who really know the technical stuff of filmmaking. And did you go to drama school to study theater? Yeah, I went to University of North Carolina at Greensboro and got a BFA in acting. How was that? Did you enjoy that? Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, that's, 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 that was my foundation, my, my jumping off point, you know, I've made like my best friends in, in the world that are still my friends there at, at that college. And, you know, it gave me a foundation. It was not a big, it's not a big, uh, conservatory. We didn't do a lot of musical theater. It wasn't a big focus on that, which is great for me because I'm just kind of a, a low key black box theater, like, you know, simple scene work kind of, kind of actor, which has led into independent film for sure. So do you think your writing style may come from your theatre background, maybe led by it somewhere? Because you've got a lot of great dialogue in your movies, haven't you? Well, thanks. I hope so. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely, yeah, I learned how to write by being a playwright. I took playwriting classes and, and I, I, you know, we put up plays in New York that, that I had written. And that's really what I thought was going to happen. 
Um, so yeah, it's very dialogue based. You know, my, my writing style was influenced by like Neil Simon plays when I was in high school, you know, that kind of comedy, uh, you know, heavily relying on dialogue and uh, story and characters. And, and that's definitely where it comes from writing movies and movies. I really love that really touch me the most usually have a lot of dialogue. They're like talky, they're word heavy, yeah. they're, you know, scene heavy that I, I like, I like all kinds of movies, but, but, you know, those are really where, where my heart is. Um, the, with theater, you know, we got, I got tired of, you know, the sort of, uh, temporary nature of theater that would come and go. Like we would do a play for two weeks in New York and then, you know, that was it. It was over. And if it's not a big deal, it didn't get a big splash of reviews or anything. You're just kind of telling people, well, you, you should have seen me in this play. I was great. <laughs> and it's just over, you know. And so that's that was part of the, the inspiration to turn to film. Yes, I, I can completely relate to you as a former actor in regards to theatre in that way. If it doesn't get picked up and it doesn't go to central London, you can just say, oh, I was in this play in Blackpool or wherever for a certain amount of time. And people are like, oh, OK. But film is, is, is forever in, in a different way. Like, yeah, go ahead, watch it. It's right here. Yeah, straight away. Especially the way now we can send people films or people can just pick up our films on Amazon, Vimeo, Netflix, wherever. It's just so broad and big. So we move on to your film, Laura Gets a Cat. You've done 20 million people. How did Laura Gets a Cat come along? Well, I think the the you know when we did 20 million people the the um the theory we were testing that the um the whole impetus behind it was like can we make a feature film i mean we really didn't know if we could pull it off um and it was like well we got nothing to lose you know if we don't we'll make something out of it but but we did pull it off and we were we were happy with that the second time around we had to think of something else besides can we just pull it off uh, we're independent filmmakers now. Okay, we get used to that. So what else can we do? And I think I can only speak to myself. For for me, it was about like a, the growth of a filmmaker. I, I had learned a lot. I, it was like a crash course in, in the film school I never had. And I, I studied more and more old films and really tried to bone up and just sort of like try to live up to the uh, title of being a filmmaker now. And... Um, with Laura Gets a Cat, there was like, what else, what other creative stuff can we do with the camera that's not just like, um, you know, two wide, two shot and then a single, single and there's the scene. Like, how else can we move this along? What other, what other creative things can we do? I got to explore more of the, the magical realism of the daydream characters and stuff like that that I like. And, um, you know, how can we get a little more creative in telling this story? And and the idea was to just try to push it a little a little further, get into um, some of the really great film festivals that we missed out on the first time or that didn't accept our movie the first time. Can we make something that might appeal and, and get into those film festivals? You know, it's not a huge goal. It's not like, of course, we'd love a big deal and, you know, life-changing uh, <clears throat> things happen. But, but, you know, it was like, let's, let's, Let's take this simple goal and make it. And so, so that was it. I had the script and, you know, again, we decided it was worth shooting because there's a ton of scripts I've written. But we have readings for and for one reason or another. It's like it would cost too much money or it's just not quite there. Don't know if it's going to be there to, to be worth all the, all the resources. But this one, we felt like it was. So, so we just made it. And this one, do you, are you personally connected to it in a different way? Obviously seeing you act in this one and 
this film felt so personal, not just to you, but maybe to some of the other characters. How can you relate to this film? But first, please do tell us what exactly is Laura got a cat gets a cat about. Laura Laura gets a cat is is led completely by the character of Laura. And she's someone who's uh, 32 years old and she's a little directionless. And I, and I think this is where the, uh, the, the uh, inspiration for this script comes from is, is this feeling of being at that age. And it really feels like there's this pressure to go different ways in life. You know, I mean, I mean, you get these pressures up, up and down, no matter what age. I, I mean, it comes when in your twenties, it comes again in your thirties and it, what, whatever, it's different for everybody, but, but it's a common thing that I think people see their good friends and peers going in different directions. And they've, there's times in our lives where we're just kind of stuck, you know? And I think uh, it's something we've found that a lot of people can relate to. And what's been really cool about, about Laura Gets a Cat and taking it to different film festivals and putting it out there is that we get a lot of comments from people who can relate to it that we wouldn't expect. Senior citizens and like young high school kids to senior citizens. People say, oh my God, I related to that so much. She's a little unlucky in love. Um, her friends are either succeeding greatly in their, in their creative fields or they're like getting married and having kids and settling down or having a house in the suburbs. And she's kind of like... Um, not really sure what I'm doing. She's a struggling writer. Again, I can relate to that for sure. And um, she's kind of wondering, I haven't really achieved any success. What am I doing? You know, am I, is this worth it? Am I, am I just being struggling for nothing? And um, she also has these uh, daydreams and, and dreams and a fantasy world where it's the, these characters she talks to her own kind of ego gets pulled out and she's in these worlds where she's succeeding greatly. And then everything comes crashing down in the fantasy sequences too. So those are, those are meant to be a lot of fun. So you can relate to the side of her that's a struggling writer or, or anything else? Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, and just, and just feeling, feeling that pressure, feeling that, that kind of like stuck, you know, I, I have friends, really good friends who, who they, achieve different things at different times of their lives or going through different things. And I think it's natural for us to look at that and question like, uh, well, how does that relate to, to my life? What should I be doing? That? You know, should it, this person, great, I'm happy for them or whatever. Should I be, you know, it's, it's, it's like natural to compare ourselves to other people and it's something we all fight against. Okay. That's not healthy. You know, everyone's situation is different. You can't tell what people are going through. But just that journey, you know, is, is something she goes on and, and she tries, tries different things, different relationships. She tries different places to live. She tries. And it's just that lost feeling of kind of hopelessness. And, and what's the hope at the end of it, you know? And the table reading for this film, you had quite a few characters in it. What type of feeling did you get from the table reading for this? Um, well, I think... It's hard to remember the table reading. Uh, the The uh, character of Laura was always meant to be played by Dana Brooke, who's the actress who plays plays Laura. She she and I did a play together many years ago. We've been been in touch ever since. You know, uh, she's an actor I always can trust. I think she she reads the words really well that that I write. So so it was always meant to be uh, her role. So I think it was like a lot of it, a lot of it rested on that. You know, when you find an actor who clicks with the main part, 
and and you sort of everyone knows it it works then you and then i think it gives you that confidence of like oh this could be really something um and she's won some awards at film festivals and stuff for her acting and and that's been that's proven to be a good thing we we decided i, I think it's just like you know is the story interesting is it funny are people you can just tell in a room i think what the vibe is and it doesn't mean if the vibe's not good that you should quit and stop writing and you know just throw it all away and it just might mean you have more to work on and you know, certainly were scenes I changed and added like from from reading to reading. But it's it's really nice to have that community of actors here in New York that a lot of our friends and stuff who can like, you know, be there for that and workshop things. And and it's a real luxury to have. And it's you know, it's free if you're friends with a bunch of actors. It's, I highly recommend it. Brilliant. I like the sound of that. And in terms of your locations as well, you had a, a ton of locations. Were they through friends or did you have to go through the usual route of, um, you know, applying for the location to film in? For, for our two films, both of them, we, uh, we didn't go through any usual routes uh, location-wise. Um, and again, locations are super important in, in a low-budget film. Like, you kind of have to start with, I mean, you, you have to be adaptable a little bit and change, change where you're going to film things. Um, depending on what you can use. A lot of those places are, are in our neighborhood. And we just go, maybe we have a relationship with the owner of a small business. And we just ask, you know, you're closed on Mondays. Do you mind if we come in and, and shoot something? And it depends on where you live and how many filmmakers are asking, you know. Yeah. Sort of like before Jersey City blew up a lot in the last five years. So it, we sort of were a little bit fortunate. I don't know if you could pull it off now. But like, you know, we go ask, we know, you know us, you know, we're cool. We have insurance, you know, that's a big thing. Do you mind if we film a scene here? And, and a lot of times, you know, we get, we get lucky. We get some no's and you get rejected, but that's just something you have to do. So, I mean, there's downsides too when you're not paying for it. You, you have to be out at a certain time and you can't control, yeah. control the noise and stuff like that. But that's just something we deal with as, as low budget filmmakers. A lot of those apartments are our apartments, but... You know, I, I do. The, there's a beach house in Laura Gets a Cat that she goes to, which is actually in uh, Carolina Beach, North Carolina, which is around where I grew up in Wilmington, North Carolina. And I have a friend, D.H., who lives down there, has a beach house. And I was hanging out with him. And I was same kind of thing as the coffee shop. I was like, hey, you know, do you ever think you could let me film something here at this beach house? Like, this is pretty sweet. Um, and that's kind of, that was like before I wrote the script. So I'm thinking, okay, I got this character. I got this idea. Why would she take off and go to the beach? You know, how, how can I, how can I start that? So like, again, it comes from, from using what you have and using that as inspiration, you know, people and location. So how many days did it take to shoot this film? We shot, um, we shot in about 14 days total. We drove to North Carolina and shot for like four or five days, drove back and shot for like 10, 10, 11 more days. Some, something like that with some days in between. But it was, a, I mean, it was like about 14 shooting days for over the course of two and a half, three weeks. And how many hours per day are we looking at? Well, we try to keep it, we try to keep it reasonable. Um, no one likes long hours, myself especially um but you know you plan for eight hours and you go 10 to 12 but 
it depends, you know, I mean, there's, you know, shooting is, is one thing and then you're tired and the day ends and then someone's like, okay, we have to upload the footage and we have to print out the <laughs> shot list for tomorrow and we have to do it back up the, you know, and, and it's just like, yeah. oh, we still have, and we still have to clean up and stuff. So it always ends up being 12 to 14 hour days. If you're, if you're really the ones doing everything, you know? I mean, we all would love to get to the point with a bigger budget where you can just go home. Okay, someone deal with that, you know. And in terms of crew, how many members of crew would you have for Laura Gets a Cat? Um, I mean, it's it's skeleton crew different every day. I think um, when when we started this thing, um, like when we started making feature films, one of the things that this was we made twenty million people in in 2012 and I think the years leading up to that were a big shift in in no budget low budget indie filmmaking in that people were really discovering how little how much you could do with with such little resources and so it's different for every for every film depending on what you need you need a, a DP you know unless the director is also the DP you need um, a sound person and the sound person is 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 so critical, you know, that it, that it be a good sound person or maybe two sound people, you know, it just depends. You need, some people need an assistant director. Some people don't, you know, some people are really scheduled and, and organized. We usually go with those basics where we have Paul, our, our DP, he has a person and a person might change. He has an AC or, or an assistant or someone who does like, you know, what normally would be like a whole department. And, yeah. um, and, and then you have that as being like camera and lights department. Then you have a sound person and maybe that sound person has a sound person, like a boom mic operator. Then that's like one or two people. Then you're like, what else do we need? Do we need an AD? AD would be like rotating position maybe. Yes, it's helpful to have someone keep you on schedule. So, so that would be one, one thing. We did not have hair and makeup. We did not have script supervisor, which of course hurts to not have when you're trying to keep continuity and everything. But like, you know, the more people you have, the more people you have to pay and the more yeah. amount And so it's just like whatever, whatever we could get away with. And, and of course we want people to show up too. Like we, we would love for PAs and, you know, younger people, film students more like to come, come make this film with us. But it's the hardest thing in the world to get people to show up. Um, even, even for a little money, you know, it's like, we found it really difficult to, to get people to actually show up to help. So we just work with what we have. And then there's the three of us, me, Devin, and Chris. So. And in terms of the budget, was it self-raised or did you crowdfund or did you approach any investors? How did it work? We've never had investors uh, with like contracts and having to pay them back. And that, that makes a big difference too, because when you're beholden to investors, you kind of, you know, you have, you have to, you have the obligation to try no matter what to, to get them their money back. Um, we've done crowdfunding and we've been successful at it. And, and that's been a big help for us. Um, we've also scrapped and scraped and just pulled together whatever we could to make our films. Um, you know, I mean, there's, there's no, there's no great answer. There's no, there's no easy answer. You know, no, nobody really knows how to get money for films. And the daunting thing is even films that have millions of dollars, uh, if, you know, there's not what I've found in my research and my talking to people is like it, no one really has a great answer. So you just try to get away with what you can. How much do you need to pull this off and then just try to do it? 
Brilliant. And you mentioned about not having any, uh, having a makeup artist, sorry. Did your editor colour the film as well? Because it looks really good. I mean, it, we, we talk about makeup, obviously, for the technical side of things, but it does also add a different element in terms of cinematography. So did your editor colour grade and colour correct the film? Yeah, yeah. Our editor works with, with the colour correction. Um, we also, you know, in the course of, of the last 10 years doing this stuff, the great thing about the indie film world is that when you start and you go to film festivals and you kind of make connections and, and like uh, friends make friends and, and those friends have friends and then you help out on other people's projects and films and stuff. What we've found is that building that network and being a part of that community is, is immeasurable. I mean, that's how things get made because we have who we could call on now to be like, Hey, Remember, I did that favor for you. Would you mind color correcting this or taking a look at this or seeing what, if there's anything you can do with this? And, and, you know, that just grows and grows and grows. And part of that is going to the film festivals and making friends and, and helping each other out and stuff like that. So whatever our editor or whatever, whenever we felt like, well, this might be, we can't quite figure this out, why it doesn't look great or whatever, you know, what can we do? We just try and try and try to reach out to people and reach out to people. And of course, sometimes maybe you'll have to put up some money. But, um, but you know, if, if you don't, even better. You act in the film as well. What was it like acting and directing in the same film? Um, well, luckily, uh, also, Devin is, is a very good director. And she would kind of take over that role if I was acting and she was not in the scene for, for the movies. And she has an eye for, for that as well. So she'd be like, um, you know, kind of making sure the scene is going how we want it to go. And, you know, if there's little nudges and, and notes along the way. But I think, you know, ultimately it's about compartmentalizing in, in your head because when you're directing the film, when I'm directing the film, and I'm not in the scene, let's say, I've found that like, you're just, you're overwhelmed. I mean, you're just, you're just trying to keep your head above water because everyone's asking you questions and yeah. like, you know, you're just like, you're nervous or it's just like one thing you think, okay, I got this. And then things start piling up. And, and so it's hard, it's hard, you know, taking on that role. But if you're acting in the scene, if I knew, okay, my scene's coming up, you really, have to shut that part of your brain off and be like okay the you know everything is burning around me crashing and burning not my problem because my, i mean someone else has to deal with it because my problem right now is like these words and this person across from me that i'm that i'm supposed to say these words to and like you know being present here and and playing whatever my action is or playing that that scene and not shortchanging myself, you know, not not being like, OK, I'll just muddle through it so we can get on with it because the sun's going down or whatever. But really acting like an actor in that moment, because when when it's all said and done and you're looking at this, the product, the only thing that matters is that the actor in the scene being present, telling the story, you know, say, saying the words. So like everything else has to shut off. So, I mean. It's not for everybody, but I think I can com compartmentalize pretty well, along with having the help of Devin and Chris, who are always watching, you know, the, the scenes happen no matter who's in it. And I think that's how we get by. 
I, you know, hopefully it works. Oh, it certainly worked from what I saw, that's for sure. But what do you prefer out of the two then? Would you prefer to carry on more of your acting career or would you prefer to carry on more of your writing career if you had the choice? Well, uh, yeah, if I had the choice is a good... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I believe... I mean, I haven't acted in a whole lot of stuff that I haven't written in the last 10 years. It's rare that I'll act. I, I used to go on auditions. I used to go to like a lot of auditions and, and try to be in stuff. And I sort of, I focused more, I've shifted the focus to just creating my own work. I wasn't getting work as an actor. The demand wasn't there for me. And, and I don't take that too hard. I mean, I know the realities of, of the business of acting. And I don't think that means I suck, but I, I just sort of have shifted my focus. So like, I love acting. I think it's fun. I think it's great. It's like, it's like uh, imagining you're a coach of a team instead of a player. I like being a player. I still like being on the, the field or the court, you know? Yeah. So it's hard for me to imagine not acting, but, but I, don't have to, I don't have to be acting, you know, to have a good time. I think it's all the same thing. It's all like storytelling. I want to... I want to be a part of it. I want to make stuff somehow. I think, um, I think the most valuable skill I might have to the to the industry of entertainment is writing. I which works because I wake up and write almost every day that I can. Uh, I love. Oh, good on you. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not even like you know a discipline I'm forcing myself to do. I love doing it. Um, and so I, I think that it's a more valuable skill, a more rare skill. I think I'm, you know, I've gotten feedback from it. That's like, oh, you're, you're good at this. And not many people are, uh, as opposed to like acting, you know, acting's more like, yeah, you're fine. Who cares? Get in line. <laughs> but, uh, but I think, uh, so, so I think what I'm really trying to push is the writing because I think, you know, it'd be nice to, to make a little money, you know, it'd be nice to have a career. Like you're talking about career. It'd be nice. I have a life as a filmmaker. I have a life as a writer and a life as an actor but not as much a career. I'm not paying for a house with, with this stuff, you know? But I, so, so I think I have to be realistic in what, what I might have to offer at the moment. And, and I think that's a lot of the writing, you know? I think uh, as far as like filmmaking and directing, I love that too. I want to do it. I mean, I want to do all this stuff. I want to make movies with my friends forever. That would be the, the ideal goal. And it doesn't matter from project to project, even if I've written it or directing it or acting it. You know, I love hands-on stuff and I love doing this stuff. But that's, that's the goal. So it's like, you know, whatever people pay me as would be great. But what I want to do is make movies with my friends. And what's in the future? What can we expect from you in the future? Amongst COVID-19 and everything else, obviously. Well, um... I've been doing a lot of writing through this coronavirus uh, sort of quarantine life. It's been, that's been a very silver lining for me, like being able to have the time to do a lot of writing. Um, I have scripts I'm working on. Uh, what would, you know, some, some scripts I write in thinking it would be cool if we could make this. Uh, so I, I write it. This is a, a make idea, you know, I write it with 
with a budget in mind. I write it from the beginning with like, you know, limited locations and characters or something like that. Something we can wrap our heads around. And then there's scripts that are like, this idea is good. Um, this would be a sell. You know, I would try to sell this. I don't know if we could ever make this or pull the budget together. So this would be like, hey, I'm a screenwriter now. Let me just try to, to, to see if I can get someone interested in this or get someone to think about representing me or like get some jobs through this or something. This is a, you know, a screenplay that the Hollywood industry might like to see. So I've just been trying to figure that out and writing, 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 writing. Um, if we get the chance to make another film in the near future, I'm sure if the right project comes up, we'll just, we'll just figure it out and do it. Um, so, so right now that's where we're at. Uh, I mean, we're all just trying to, you know, the world's turned so upside down. Devin and I are rearranging our apartment and like <laughs> putting, okay. moving furniture and, and tearing the whole thing up and turning it around. So like, it's like household projects and like, you know, figuring out should we even be living here like is this the right place to live should we try to move should we buy a house you know like what this is that this is like a weird time for personal personal family growth i think but besides that writing where would you like to move well we've i mean <laughs> we're talking about like in the new york area still uh we're oh, we're okay. fantasizing about like a house in the more country area like an hour outside of new york city or something we're we can walk around by a stream and walk our dog without a mask on and without dodging people who don't have masks on, like that kind of thing, you know. Is that like Beacon? Yeah, yeah, I mean, something like that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, hey, I'd love to move to London, right? It's not, not, not feasible in the near future, but I do love London. Oh, nice one. And you've had, oh, you so see, you went to festivals here and stuff. Um... Yeah, yeah. And, and my sister lives in Bristol. And I love it over there in England. Um, but it's just kind of a, a pipe dream because I'm not sure what we would do there, or how we would find work. And right now we have a dog and there's a whole thing with bringing a dog over there. So. Oh, yeah. Very. And I noticed on your bio, you like soccer. Is that because you like London or do you like New York FC or New York Red Bulls or? Red Bull, Red Bulls. Yeah, Red Bulls. The, uh, the soccer came before the, the uh, ang Anglophile um, and before because I grew up playing. Oh, okay. But then, I mean, I, I wasn't great. I grew up playing until high school, you know, and I mostly sat the bench in high school. But but I love this sport. Um, but the first time I went to England, I went to play soccer when I was in high school. And, and it, you know, I, I, Liverpool and the New York Red Bulls, those are my teams. And Liverpool, oh. were before they were one of the best teams in the world, just to be clear. Okay. And I'm looking forward to seeing more from you. That's for sure. I was on your Vimeo page yesterday, too. Um, everybody check it out I'll, I'll put it in the show notes along with his, the trailer to his film and his website it's well worth checking out Indie Film Soldier I appreciate your work yeah thank you thanks for having me I appreciate it great and we'll speak soon